Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit in my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect, he just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. drama yesterday it's uh behind me now i'm feeling better and ready to rock and roll with you bro i know we we should talk about this at the end of the show and i don't even know if you were able to watch the clips i sent you but euphoria i'm telling you the ending or at least with one of i don't want to spoil the whole thing but there's <laughs> one, you're no, gonna there, spoil no, someone <laughs> i really want to spoil one character arc okay because it was so powerful it, when it ended okay. i i sat in silence for an hour I got to tell you right now, I'm looking at uh, Johnny Santucci off screen and he's got his index fingers in his ears. He doesn't want to hear anything about this finale that you're going to ruin for some of us. For one character <laughs> arc, that's all. All right. Do I have to play all three of those clips? Uh, no, that was for, I was just wanting you to uh, see, I I was wanting you to see them yourself. Not You can air them if you want. That wasn't the idea. Okay. Uh, all of them together are only like two and a half minutes. I was just trying to make it easier to actually send it to you. Okay. I, as I, opposed to one big scene, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, it is the same scene. It's just building uh, the tension with it. Uh, but no, you don't even have to air. We don't even have to talk about it if if that's a thing. I, well, I just... Let's you talk considering about that you're a TV lover like me oh, yeah. and it having such an impact, I just thought you'd appreciate that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how are you been brother? Uh, I know you've been working like some monstrous amount of hours and I always worry about your sleep and eating well and stuff like that for you. How are you been lately? 
It's about to get worse because let me tell you this. One of my bucket, pro, the bucket list band mm-hmm. for me. I've when in 10th grade, I want this band came really close to us and I didn't drive yet. My mom wouldn't take me. I've never seen this band. It's uh, it's they're called, well, it's named after the band, the, the, the singer Danzig and Danzig is going to be in Cincinnati on Mar or May the 14th. So I'm going to try to get those tickets Thursday morning for Danzig, which will be put me in a hole even more <laughs> if I haven't uh-huh. worked overtime. And it's right before I leave for Florida too. It's like three days before, but it feels like once in a lifetime, but all things equal. I appreciate your concern. Somehow I'm going to live and, and enjoy uh, these live shows this year. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, bro. Uh, you know, you do really uh, go at it. And so you've been buying concert tickets like crazy, right? I, I have. I've been spending too much fucking money. Someone needs to to uh, come in and be a life coach, I think, mm-hmm. uh, on my uh, mismanagement of funds for this stuff. But, uh, y- yeah, uh, I'm, I've got a big year. Like, right now I've got uh, – I don't know if you know these artists. So, but coming up on March 13th, I've got Corn. April 1st, I have Slipknot. I've got that music festival in May, in late May. Hopefully Danzig in between that. Then I've got Rage Against the Machine in July and Nine Inch Nails in September. Wow, that is awesome, man! I think I know all those bands except Danzig. So, uh, but yeah. I, I'm sure I will uh, listen to a couple of tunes of theirs before you, hopefully, get out there. Um, Danzig is like, especially the early '90s stuff. It, to me, it feels like had Jim Morrison and the Doors come out 20 years later, mm-hmm. that's what it would have sounded like. It's very moody. Very a lot of like poetry kind of lyrics, those sort of things. But he's got different styles. He, mm-hmm. he veers off the two or three albums in the early '90s, like Danzig three, four. That era is very Doors-ish. Mo Beerman says Danzig was pretty cool back in the '90s. So they go back. That yeah, far. Uh, his heroes are, are Elvis and Roy Orbison, despite the fact that he's a metal guy, and he actually recorded and he like he did it for real, like uh, seriousness, not like. A goof, he recorded an Elvis album last year because mm-hmm. Elvis is his hero covering his favorite Elvis songs. Hey, we got an old friend uh, in the chat room. Uh, Brandy is with us. Uh, Brandy, she's seen Danzig back in the day and she rubs it in my face all the time. <laughs> Love you, Brandy. Thanks for being here. Uh, the Factor says, how does Dan feel about dealing with Aaron Rodgers for at least a couple of more years? How do you is feel that Is that a done deal? No, I don't think it is, but all signs point to that. Um, it's I heard that he was asking for $50 million. $50 million? Yeah, and he immediately went out and said, that's bullshit. You know, so what it means, he's probably asking for $49 million. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, fuck he's it. Let's go. Uh, we, we got rid of our problem, in my opinion. And fuck it. If he's here, let's beat him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got he's almost 40 now. Yeah, exactly. Let's put him in the grave. Right. I think a lot of his success is due to the fact that he's played in a division with three teams that have never fielded good teams consistently. You know, the Bears have had a season or two that were good. Uh, the Vikings, the same thing. The Lions, no, the Lions have never. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, 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 just, I just feel it in my bones that the Bears are going to turn this thing around and Aaron Rodgers is going to be our bitch 
Um, and part of the reason I'm feeling that way is the press conferences that were held today at Indianapolis at the Combine with uh, the new general manager, uh, Ryan Poles, and the new head coach, Matt Eberflus. I was impressed with how they presented themselves. There were certain things that they would not reveal, of course, uh, but they handled it in a much more professional and acceptable way than Ryan Pace uh, and Matt Nagy ever did. I was really impressed, and I know you haven't heard any of this audio, but we'll play some in a little while, and then we'll bring in you and Tooch. Well, you, you're already here, but we'll bring in Tooch to get the uh, thoughts on some of these comments. So we'll do, do that in a few minutes. But I, I just wanted to check with you on – Dan, you're a huge basketball fan. One of your favorite players of all time is Hakeem Olajuwon. But have oh, you yeah. been following basketball much this season? No, I, I just don't have time, yeah. unfortunately. I I, I've seen some of the trades and things like that, and at least the season's happening. Baseball is just shooting itself in the fucking foot again mm -hmm. uh, with their labor problems. But, no, where were you going with the basketball question, though? Well, I only want to, I only mention it because uh, Laryl Golden, who is uh, co-host of Bulls 101, has just gotten a, a job with uh, uh, a Sports Info Systems Hoops, S-I-S, uh, they go on Twitter, SIS Hoops, at SIS Hoops. And it's they're they're working to become like the new pro football focus of uh of basketball, but without all the controversy. <laughs> and they've hired Laro, uh, which I am so proud of him. Of you know, the bar room has had uh, a lot of not a lot of success, but some success at helping people start their careers. And uh Laro did his first per podcast here and his new employers saw the show and said, this is part of the reason we're hiring you because we, we really uh, appreciated the show that you were on and the knowledge that you shared. And so he won't be doing Bulls 101 anymore. He'll do his last show uh, this weekend, and then he's going to focus his attention on SIS. And I'm so, so proud of him and so happy for him. And then uh, the Vikings uh, 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 age, I think it's Vikings age uh, uh, blog, they just wrote an article on, Jordan Reed, who used to write about the Vikings here at the bar room many years ago when we first started, and they're doing a profile on him because he just landed this ESPN scouting job. And uh, so he's he, we can put him on the list of people who have worked here in the bar room and have gone on to greater and bigger things. So I'm really happy for both of those guys. Outstanding work, gentlemen. Congratulations. And Dan, I think, you know, I'm working on you next. I want you to land a job here in Chicago working for the Score Sports Radio or ESPN 1000 and maybe have you as a new overnight guy. Wouldn't you love that? Just overnight talking to Chicago sports fans for four, four hours a night. To quote Clint Eastwood in Magnum Force, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> I don't I don't think I'm qualified to be Mike North in Chicago, the third largest market in America. Uh, I don't think I'm that good. It's not false modesty, and, and it's not a lack of belief in myself. It's just reality, man. Mm -hmm. But how about I say that the barroom is helping me. Now, this is a bit of a stretch, but we'll go with it and say that the barroom is the reason I'm getting a lot of pussy. <laughs> How about that? That trumps <laughs> the ESPN job and I trumps agree, the job man. at SIS. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
All right. Uh, without further ado, I want to bring in uh, John here earlier than we normally do because we're it's a shorter show than normally. And besides, I love Johnny Santucci. Johnny, come on in here and say hello to your fans, brother. I'll let you press that button. Come on in as soon as you're ready. There you are. I'll do that. And how are you, brother? I'm good. How's everyone doing? doing good man we're so happy that you're here and you're going to and lend your expertise on these comments from uh, the general yeah. manager and the head coach I'll tell now, you, you, you have dan not heard any of this stuff, right dan would be perfect talking with all of his bears history he's got his head he would be perfect for chicago radio I mean, that's what Les Grobstein did overnight. You know, people would ask him a question about, you know, the Chicago Cubs. And 20 seconds into his response, he was talking about the 69 Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) He he was great at that, man. And and, and, uh, that's one of my great regrets that I I never worked harder at getting Dan Aguirre and Les Grobstein together so that they could talk about the history of football together because that would have been like a, a, a test of two geniuses recalling uh, prior football games. That would have been so outstanding. But hey, D, w- from your perspective, was Les was he just a a professional cover these things or was he a real fan too? Oh, he was a huge, real, real fan. Okay, so it wasn't just his job. Like, he, yeah. his heart was into it, too. Oh, he loved Chicago sports. Loved them passionately. A huge Bears fan. Uh, yeah, you guys would have gotten along so well, man. It's, it's a shame that didn't happen. PZ wants to know, uh, Dan couldn't talk about his sex life on air. Dan can talk about his sex life on air. Oh, but he's saying <laughs> if you got that radio gig with terrestrial radio, that sex, your sex life would be verboten on, on the air. So he's right Well, I've got that. a gig on terrestrial radio, but I've got a pseudonym on the air, so it's <laughs> different from Aguirre, So That's right. You know. What is your pseudonym again? Dan McMahon. Yeah, so if you're ever... After Jim McMahon. What areas, what states does that radio signal go out to so if i'm driving in baltimore can i hear your radio station no we stream though but like okay. for us it's like west virginia virginia north carolina primarily oh. so maybe some in ohio depending where you are closer to the west virginia border mm-hmm. uh, our pop station goes um, a lot farther than the uh the classic rock that i'm on primarily because our pop station is 100,000 watts wow that's nice <laughs> yeah well, you'll have to give me that streaming information because I want to hear uh, you on one of your shows. And can I interact with you like we do here uh, uh, when we're on StreamYard? Like, can I ask you a question and you, you'll see it from your streaming station? Unfortunately, I have to record it because I go to my other gig. <laughs> ah. I do everything I can to not, you know, reveal that I'm that I'm not li- like if I if I sneeze or something, I leave that shit in. Yeah, because I want people to think if he wasn't live, he would he would edit that out. Mm-hmm. So I try to make, if an alarm goes off, I try to leave it in. So when people interact with me, I always am like, hey, man, I'm sorry I didn't see this yesterday, and I respond to them the next day. Mark Grody, by the way, took over the grobber spot at the score. He does it for three days a week, and I think they're looking for somebody to, to do it on, on two, the other two days. So He's appeared on the Barroom Network, if you recall. He has uh, more than once, uh, two or three times. He's a great, great guy um, and uh, and really very qualified for that four or five-hour talk show. I mean, you're doing it all by yourself. That's one of the hardest things to do in radio. I think, Tooch, Tooch, have you ever done any radio broadcasting? Because you got the perfect voice for it, too. Uh, no, I have not. No, I would love to, though. 
How many, how many drugs have you done in your life that you have to remember back if you've done any radio broadcasts? Yeah, I, well, I was trying to think back to high school, you know, and uh, uh, we play, play, played around with the high school, you know, radio system. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, that really doesn't count. CJ Williams is telling us that Chris Ranji does the other two nights uh, when Grody's not doing the late night shift. So CJ, uh, excuse me, thanks CJ and Chris Ranji is another uh, very talented guy. So we'll uh, we'll get you another job here at Chicago Radio. Dan, it's as low as no, it's, it's fine, man. It's it's good. <laughs> all right. Hey, you know, before you play that, I sure. wanted to get you all's reaction because mm-hmm. I think it's a big deal. Every time I I ask someone locally, they're like, ah, okay, it's not really like to me. It's a it's a huge deal. Like Troy Aikman is leaving Fox and yeah. going to Monday night football, yeah, which I, is going to create obviously a hole for, they're going to have to cut greasy and, and Lewis Riddick, you would presume. Mm-hmm. And now Al Michaels is a free agent. So they could potentially bring him to ESPN or he's allegedly leaning toward Amazon. That's what I And heard. then they said ESPN is looking to try to get buck out of his deal mm-hmm. as a potential. He's got one year left, but he does baseball too. I, I can't imagine him give, giving up his gig at Fox. Yeah, there have been times where a broadcaster has worked for two networks. Uh, they've been able to finesse that with contracts and all that stuff, but I don't think that's going to happen with Joe Buck. I think uh, uh, this is kind of a different circumstance. But to answer your question, you know, I'm not a big fan of Troy Aikman. Uh, Greg Gabriel and I talked about it on a recent show. Uh, it, it appears to me that Aikman has stopped preparing for shows. He's just a cliche. It's not uh, for not for shows, but for games. It's not like he's offering any insight. Like, uh, like Greg Gabriel said, that first year where Tony Romo did color, he you knew he was looking at tape of the games because he would uh, uh, predict the play before the ball was snapped. And Troy right. Aiken never does that. Never does that. He did, and he sounds just it's just cliche after cliche with with Aikman, but he's got a name and he still has a lot of popularity. So, you know, from it's that still big to move, I think for him to move to Monday night, it's, you know, that to happen once back in the day when Don Meredith left for Monday night to NBC. And then obviously he came back to Monday night. Mm-hmm. You don't get that a lot though. And I guess they're trying to solidify the broadcasters being like a, like a big deal again. And I, as much as I don't like Aikman either, I, it's a, it's a good signing though. He's been at Fox since Oh two. He's called a lot of Super Bowls. I think that's good. Uh, but I think he reminds me of Judge Smales from Caddyshack. Oh, yeah. you know, just, he's like, you know, Bushwood. You know, he's just snobby as fuck and like stuck up. And you remember how like uh, offended like Smales was at Rodney Dangerfield like throughout the whole movie? Mm-hmm. I think that's the way like Aikman is at, at, toward all the fans. Mm. You know, Mo Beerman says that uh, it sounds like Greg Olson is going to be the number one analyst over at Fox, and that would be great. I thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, except and, the Bears are like 0-3 when he did our game. Except for that. <laughs> you know, it's Well, like, he probably won't be doing the Bear games if he's on the number one team, let's be right. honest. <laughs> it's Olson's revenge, you know, because he uh, he uh, he was traded away. He didn't, didn't really want to leave Chicago. He was not happy with that trade. That was Cutler's boy. Yeah. How unbelievable. It's another fucking stupid mistake. Um, all right, let's get to some audio tape. Uh, I got a whole bunch of stuff. We, we'll, we'll go through it and, you know, decide when to stop when we've heard enough of these guys. 
But, um, you know, it's funny that today Joe Biden is giving a state of union speech, and that's how Ryan Pohl started. He basically offered up a very comprehensive update to what has been going on at Hallis Hall for the past, uh, well, since he was hired. And so this is about almost two minutes in length. Uh, let's listen to Ryan Pohl's with this Hallis Hall update. I've been really impressed and spent time with all the coaches and you know, everything that Matt and I spoke about before in terms of finding talented teachers that have emotional intelligence, that care about the players, that bring energy, and also a developmental mindset, um, that's there. And you can tell already we're excited for that. You know, the other piece is in the performance area, we've made a lot of changes there. And we're confident that we're going to be able to take our players and really optimize their ability so they're in shape. They're playing fast, they're playing uh, violent, and they're explosive. And part of that is making sure the body's right. And that group is already getting to work. Um, some of the guys have been coming in, working out, and it seems like more and more have come through to get ready. So I'm excited about that as well. And then in terms of the front office, just we've spent a lot of time meeting. We were behind for about two weeks, and we've been able to catch up and go through the free agent process. Um, that took about eight to nine days and then we put another uh, we flew our college guys in and we watched a ton of tape and we went through that process and kind of got what I call the board pinned down because we're still gathering information but at the same time we want to get some of those players in the right area um, and not be too affected on what goes down here because as we get further and further away from the season you can make some mistakes by what happens in shorts and the all-star games and really you forget about the meat of the evaluation which came from the season and the information our guys were able to gather so i'm excited we're heading the right direction i got a really good group in staff um, a lot of you have probably you know read up on ian he's been a huge um, part for me only because getting pulled in so many different directions that's very new to me having him out in front and working with our staff, if I get pulled out of a meeting, he keeps the ball rolling, keeps a list of players that I need to get caught up on. But all systems are always moving. I am so impressed with this guy. I am so impressed. Tucci, what do you think about uh, Mr. Poles and what he's set up there in terms of what's happening at Hallis Hall? Does he inspire any uh, confidence? I know you're going into the season with not the greatest of confidence. Uh, simply because George McCaskey had a hand in hiring these guys. Um, but uh, what, after what you just heard, do you feel a little better? I do. I do, I do feel a little bit better. Yeah, I, uh, what worries me is that uh, it's the same, you know, uh, the thing where there's no one in between George who can evaluate Ryan polls, you know, uh, which is what this organization is missing and it probably makes the bears different than a lot of the organizations in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You know, they probably have a general manager then above the general manager, uh, a, a president of football operations and then ownership, you know, where ownership doesn't have to, you know, uh, be making football decisions. You know, they're mm -hmm. just there to own the team to, you know, manage the financial aspects of the team and the football operations uh, president or manager of that, he oversees everything football. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't think uh, Ryan Poles, I don't think anybody would, would say that Ryan Poles is qualified to be a president of football operations of any organization. Do I like what I hear so far from him as a general manager? Yeah, I do. I like that. Uh, I think uh, he's going to uh, manage a good scouting staff and he's, he's going to make good picks, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if, if basing his uh, valuations on game tape, then, you know, that's one step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Dan, your thoughts. Do you agree with uh, Mo Bierman, who writes in the chat room, st- that he is still in show me mode? I can see his point <clears throat> as well as Tucci's. I, I guess for now, I'm going to say, you know, again, I'm just so happy the other two guys are gone. So when I hear him speak, I'm like, okay, you know, uh, he doesn't have to prove anything to me. Uh, you know, I, I'm already, I'm buying in, I'm investing. I'm saying, okay, I'm all right with him being the general manager and no one above him. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say he's the guy making all the moves right now. And George is his advocate and, uh, you know, signing the checks. So, all right, I'm investing in this guy and saying, he's the one going to, he's going to make the right decisions. And like you said, when he's giving, he's talking a minute ago, he certainly is playing the role. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. There are a lot of successful or intelligent people over the years that have failed in their positions. Mm-hmm. So he sounds like at least he is qualified for the position. But I mean, how do we know? We don't. We're just fans. But I think, yeah, so the short answer is I'm impressed. Um, PZ agrees with Mo right now. Uh, Poles is just talk is just offering talk that we've heard before. Here's why I don't quite agree with that PZ and Mo. Um, he just seems so relaxed and so confident and the way he detailed in order what they've been working on. And I've got another soundbite here where he talks about evaluating the scouts, um, it to me there is it's so different than Ryan Pace, just so different. And when we get to Matt Eberflus, I think you're going to hear a difference too. Now, what does that mean? You know, yes, it is talk, but I really uh, 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 value good communicators. Clear communication is so important. At one point, Poles went on to say that he is going to make sure that every player that walks into the building is taught the right way. They are going to learn how that particular player learns the best. Is it visual? Is it audible? Is it giving the player a kick in the ass, whether it's it's putting their armor on? They're going to make sure that they're going to reach that player with what their the strategy is, schemes, and, and so forth. The second thing is they are also going to do nutrition the right way. He sp- spoke at length at the value of making sure these guys are eating the right things and for the right positions. Uh, so I got another soundbite of, ta- of him talking about the offensive line and that they're going to ask guys to come in a lot leaner, those big guys up front, because they want them to be really quickly. And nutrition is going to play a big role in that. And then, um, uh, you know, it, it just went on. So um, let me play the soundbite of, of his evaluation of the scouts that were left behind. All of the scouts are, are, were hires from uh, the Ryan Pace era or before. There's still a couple of holdovers from previous regimes. 
Uh, let's listen to what Ryan Pose said about the scouts. I was uh, very happy with the group of scouts that we have right now. The meetings were incredible. And before we broke, I told them all how proud I was. Because as a new GM, you come in and you're like, all right, you're evaluating them. You're evaluating the evaluators. And at the end of it, the thing that stood out to me is there's a group of really, really good people that worked really hard this fall to gather the information. Now, my style was a little bit different. Our meeting structure was different where, as I said in the press conference, it was, it was a culture of candor. It's open. We watch tape. We have order in the way that we watch the tape. Um, but after that, everyone can speak their mind. And if I see something different than you, then I bring it up to the room and we work through it. And you can tell me where you saw it different and we'll go find it. So that group effort, I think, was refreshing to everyone. And, and again, I can't speak more highly of the group that we had in the room. I, I'm excited. And, um, you know, we'll continue to evaluate. But I was, I was pumped about that. That's almost like he's complimenting Ryan Pace, but also giving a little jab <laughs> to Ryan Pace, you know, almost insinuating that there wasn't an open uh, culture where – Scouts can say, hey, I think you screwed up there. That guy can't tackle, like you said in your scouting report. Uh, so that, to me, uh, is another plus. What do you think, Dan? I agree with you. Uh, it sounds like he's like, look, the scouts are the scouts here are qualified. We have good scouts. It's just that fucker that was making the decisions is a fool. <laughs> yeah, we told them we liked Adam Shaheen, but not a second rounder. <laughs> we also uh, had to lie and go along with him when he said we all wanted Mitch. <laughs> That's right. That's the other thing. And I've said it a million times. Ryan Pace not telling John Fox that – they wanted that they were going to that they were going to draft Mitch uh, Trubisky. Not telling him was just a, a huge sign of cowardice. And I think that was part of Ryan Pace's downfall here is that he was afraid to be confrontational with certain people. And uh, you know, when he fired John Fox, if you if you remember that press conference, it looked when he he took his seat at the podium there uh, at the panel, it looked like he had been crying for two hours. I mean, you think Fox <laughs> is kind of like Greg Gabriel? Like if you got him pissed off, like Fox would just be like with his rough voice, like, you know, Ryan, I could I'll fuck you up. <laughs> the I way gotta... like Greg Gabriel's mad at like, you know, Florio all the time. That's funny. Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do think so. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh Swanky says, Dan, I'm impressed with Poles. He's tough. He's got swagger. I love swagger, man. All right, uh, yeah, let, me, I agree. let me go over to Matt Eberflus, uh, an important part, of course, of his job, and he's taking more of that CEO approach to coaching and not, you know, I'm going to be making all the decisions. Uh, he uh, he talked about the importance of finding the right coaching staff. This, this goes back when I first got interviewed in 2018 uh, with the Cleveland Browns. I got interviewed there, and I, everybody has their staff list, and I think that's an important thing, but the reality of it is is that – it's, it's hard to get everybody on that list because guys are under contract, guys get promoted where they were. I mean, it's just there's a lot of things moving, a lot of balls in the air. So I really leaned on the coordinators uh, this time uh, and to Luke and to Alan, you know, and to, and to HT. I, I leaned on those guys to say, hey, who do you like? You know, who fits with your system? Okay, and then let's talk about the list that way. Let's start our list that way. And then I'll interview them on the phone and we'll get them in here and either Zoom or bring them into Chicago and we'll talk to them. If they fit with our, our system and our style, 
um, then we'll move them on to the next next stage. And then that's what we did. We ended up hiring a really good staff. It's small points, but I love that type of managerial style where Tooch, if you're going to have an employee work over you and that position is open, why shouldn't you make that decision? Because you're going to be the one working day to day with that person. You're going to be the one managing that person. You're going to be the one who that person is going to generate positive or negative results that are going to impact you in some way. And for Iberflus to do that with his coordinators and allow them to bring in assistant coaches that they wanted to work with, that to me is the right way to do it. Yeah, I agree. I like what I heard there too. You know, this is the first, like Dan, this is the first time I'm, I'm hearing this, but uh, he said uh, a lot of balls in there. I thought he was talking about euphoria. (laughs) (laughs) i have not watched this season of euphoria but john santucci gave me a good uh review prior to the show he goes yeah what other show can you see somebody erect cocks (laughs) it's like whoa (laughs) x-rated well count me in for cocks (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh we're gonna be talking about euphoria a little while but uh yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, that's the right approach. And Iberflus went on to talk about what the coaches have been doing. What we're doing is going to be very important in the sequence of how we call plays. That's always important on offense or defense. But but what's more important is how, and then how do you implement that during the course of a of a a life, of a season? You know, starting in our in our first phase one, you know, phase two. The, you know, the voluntary mini camp going all the way through the summer into training camp. How do you implement that and keep your critical eye on that detail of how? And to me, that's that's really because um, I've been in the offensive room and I've been in the defensive room these last three weeks. And I've also been in the special teams room. And I'm, I'm a big guy that likes to go around during the course of the day when they're done meeting in the mornings because that's what we you know put our time on the systems in the morning and i'll go around to all the coaches and ask me how to go you know tell me what you guys are doing then i get questions that way and get feedback that way from you know the o-line coach or the d-line coach or secondary guys or you know if it's tyke or whoever it might be and uh, i get a lot out of that uh, with those guys and we have great conversations so that's where we are right now Dan, I know that's music to your ears because that's one of the big criticisms you had of Matt Nagy is that he wanted, you know, to make all the major decisions. Micromanaged, right? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, he deflected the blame of anything that went wrong, even though he would say, you know, it it, it starts with me. But he he didn't mean that. Mm -hmm. And he accepted, he wanted all the praise and none of the blame. And I don't feel like this Eberflus guy is going to, pull any punches on shit like that it just feels like this dude's got enough backbone or uh, integrity or something to be like okay put it on me it is my fault you know i just i feel like that that's the kind of guy he is Mm -hmm. i mean it's early but i like what i've seen and heard yeah it it, it is early you know i i know at the start of every season you'd hear matt nagy uh and he was he sounded refreshed you know like the the weeks off after uh, being eliminated from the playoffs or not making the playoffs. The, the, week, the few weeks he had off uh, before the combine refreshed him, and he'd meet at the combine. He he sounded like he, you know, had just come off a, a cleansing like Aaron Rodgers, just something up his ass and all the bad <laughs> toxins came out and, and he was ready to go. But 
As the season wore on, Matt Nagy became more and more flustered after games, uh, tough losses. He looked so flustered and stuff. So we'll see how Matt Eberflus does when there is some, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, some adversity. Adversity, that's the word. All right, I want to I wanna play this from uh, Ryan Pose talking about free agency. They ain't going after it. Uh, don't expect any uh, major announcements of a superstar signed for $60 million the first couple of days of free agency. Ryan Post has made it known more than once now that he's going to focus on the second wave. And that's not because he feels that this team shouldn't have a high-priced free agent. It's, he knows the, the state of the team, and they're just not ready to make that investment and the economics being what they are right now. It's just not a good time. So he's really going to focus on the second wave of free agency, which he says is probably two or three days into free agency, and find value there. So this is Ryan Post on uh, the second wave of free agency. You're going to have some players that they're motivated. they got a chip on their shoulder, and they want to get back to free agency and, and go at it again. So they play with a purpose. And I've mentioned this before, but it's, it's very hard to stay super motivated you got to be a special human being to be in that first wave and keep going. You want your name etched in the stadium. That's what kind of mentality you got to have. So um, I definitely think there's a lot of good value down there. Plus, like I said, the mentality comes with it. Finding guys who uh, and signing them to one-year contracts, prove-it deals, is, is a tried-and-true formula, and that's what Ryan Poles is going to do as he's going to transform this roster. It's going to be a major, major overhaul. There are like 25 or 26 free agents currently on the team. I wouldn't be surprised if less than half of them are signed to come back and that we're going to have a roster that looks totally different than for before. Any of you guys uh, uh, don't agree with that and maybe think that a lot of these uh, Bears that are uh, up for new contracts, that they're probably going to resign with the team and that the roster is going to be, look similar? I was waiting on John. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, I could see. I, I'm meaning that most of them will be gone. You know, I, whether or not they fit Matt Eberflus' defensive system or uh, the offensive system that the Bears will have in place, I can tell you one thing: there's only two wide receivers in the wide receiver room signing their contract, so that room's mm-hmm. going to look a lot different. Oh, yes. It is going to look a lot different. And we've got him talking about what he's looking for in wide receivers. But, uh, Dan, you, you have any thoughts on the roster before I play the next soundbite? In terms of if it's going to be similar or different? Correct. Or anything. It, it's probably going to look drastically different. I think so, too. I, I, I think this guy wants to make his mark. I think that they've looked at this tape and they were kind of surprised at what they saw. <laughs> but let's listen to a little bit more of what he shared and um, and, and we'll get a sense of uh, why we're probably going to look at, you know, a lot of new faces on this roster. Uh, this is Ryan Poles talking about the qualities he's looking for uh, in a wide receiver. I, I think it comes they come in different shapes and sizes and speeds. I think it comes down to playmakers. I think we saw that in the Super Bowl. Um, guys that can make plays when their number's called. And, and that's what we look for. And you can see that on college tape. And then I will say one of the benefits of the combine is you get to see some of the physical traits as well. What sets them apart? 
is it size, is it length, is it explosion, is it speed? So we'll put all that together. But I would say that boils down just to being a playmaker. I like that response because a lot of people have been, and I've said it too, uh, saying that the pa- the Bears are going to follow the Packers model and get big, tall receivers, 6'1", 6'2", over 210 pounds. But that's not his number one priority. His number one priority is to get guys that make plays. And that, to me, is 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 the most important thing. We need guys who can break tackles. We need guys who can block downfield. We need guys who can do all sorts of things to help this quarterback and give him the weapons he needs in order to become a top-flight QB. Um then you you don't you don't follow the free agency list very closely, right? So you don't do you have a favorite right now in terms of who's who's out there free agent for a wide receiver? No, uh, I not none of it feels like it's legitimate at this point. You know what I mean? Like if you really get interested and put your heart into I want this guy, you know, typically it doesn't manifest. It did with Jay Cutler for mm-hmm. me, and and at the time Julius Peppers felt like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I don't, like you just said, polls is not really planning on making a splash signing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to sit back and wait and see what he does. And he did, he was asked about Allen Robinson. And basically the question was, is the door closed on Allen Robinson? He paused and he said, you know, I don't want to answer that question right now, which to me, it sounded like a door slamming on Allen Robinson's face. I mean, I don't think he's coming back. I, I just no. don't. Uh, probably because of economics, I'm sure Poles and Eberflus wouldn't mind having that talent around. But you know, they're not familiar with the drama that happened last year with A-Rob and, and, and Nagy probably any more than we are. What they are judging on is what they saw on tape. And what they saw on tape was a guy who – fans say that he was loafing on some place. I say he was injured, but either way, it was ugly. It was fucking ugly. So A-Rod, it wasn't the year he wanted on tape. That's for sure. I don't, that's why I don't think he was loafing because why would you do that? in a contract here, you want to, you want to score a $20 million wide receiver contract. So oh, I'm just going to loaf downfield. I think his ankle was hurting him or whatever it was. Let me add to these qualities of wide receiver with what Matt Eberflus responded and he was asked the same question. Explosive athletic ability there that can produce chunk plays. That's what you want. So if you throw a screen, you want a guy that can take it and go for 15 or to the in all the way. So because, um, you know, the controlled passing game is just that. But the athletes are the guys that make you miss. And that to me is, is so you have guys that are quick, explosive, strong. Um, they have to be strong at the point of attack to be able to block because we're going to, you know, we're put a big onus on the running game. They have to be able to do that. Um, and then you have to have different traits at different positions. You know, one guy might be quick. He's he's really a short route runner. Another guy could do it all. That would be our number one receiver should be able to do that. Um, and then the other guy should be able to, to take the top off the defense um, because that puts stress on the defense. Um, and then you couple that with a tight end that has the ability to flex out and, and create mismatches. I think all those things with a great running back that's great out of the backfield, um, then you can't lean your defense a certain way. And I think you create a lot of stress vertically and horizontally when you have all those different traits, not only at the receiver position, tight end position, at the halfback position as well. And as a communicator, Matt Eberflus is uh, 
name a beautiful woman, Jennifer Lopez and Matt Nagy was that fat girl in that Drew Carey show. <laughs> so I was going to say Matt Nagy's Dorothy from the, the Golden Girls. <laughs> Jeez, you go yeah. back sometimes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I hope you know that- what I wish they would ask, Aldo? Sure. Uh, I, I wish that someone, I mean, I know it's not their regime, but I, if I wish that a reporter would say, you know what? We've been trying to find out what's up with Tariq Cohen for like a year and a half. Oh. Do you have any fucking updates if he's going to be on the 2022 oh, Bears? I wish someone would ask Well, he was asked that, and I didn't pull it because essentially this was his response. I wrote, wrote it down in my notes. Um yeah, I'd prefer not to talk about player injuries at this point, which disappointed me, but it also tells me Tariq Cohen is going to get dropped. Why is, get- there, why is there so much secrecy around Cohen? I think that they probably would love to see if they can trade him and get a six-round draft pick, a fifth-round draft pick, something. And so they're not going to go uh, – uh, out in public and say, yeah, we're very disappointed. This injury has taken so long. He's working hard or whatever. They they don't want to say anything that could damage potential trade value is my guess. But is anybody going to trade for him though? It's like his injury was so bad that he's missed like almost two years of football. Yeah. Matt Nagy might might be telling Andy Reid, we need to get Tariq in here. (laughs) Let's hope so, because I don't think he's going to play. Or or Ryan Pace is telling the Atlanta Falcons, we need to get Tariq in here. Uh, He he went on the pup list and never came off all of last season. Never. And I I, I love Tariq Cohen. He he provided us with some electrifying plays in his Bears career. But when they re-signed him, I was totally against it because I just knew his body was not going to be able to take the wear and tear of, of the hitting. And those kinds of players, I'm not going to say they're a dime a dozen because that is definitely not the, not the case. But Khalil Herbert is a pretty good facsimile of Tariq Cohen. Not quite as flashy as Tariq, but he can get the job done as a returner and as a running back. And uh, we'll see if he can also catch passes as as this offense is going to give him an opportunity to catch some passes out of the backfield and line up in the slot. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I you know, it, it hurts me to say, you know, Tariq is gone, but th- that has to be the case, I, I think. And, and everybody in the chat room seems to be agreeing with that. I don't know if he's back. Like, let's say he's he's actually healthy. I mean, I, I don't know because Matt Nagy, oh, he's he's in the same place. That's like he would give that weird cryptic answer. He's in the same place he has been. What does that mean? Does that mean he's like fucking like doing terribly or, but you know, with Grant potentially getting money on the market, I uh, is a returners elsewhere. If we can't bring Jakeem Grant back, then potentially maybe Cohen's your return guy. True. Um, but I would make it a high priority item to bring back Jakeem Grant or somebody. Oh, like I him. concur. I concur. Yeah. I, you know, Again, it's brutal, uh, but once players suffer injuries and they take a long time to come back, I my my radar goes up and say, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Uh, this is not a good thing, and you need players who can suit up 
and play games, 17-game regular season. It'll soon be 18-game regular season. And if you don't have those guys for the majority of the time, even great depth can betray you uh, sometimes because you could lose uh, the backup player. We've seen that happen with the Chicago Bears many times. Um, another to an extension, yeah. yeah Ryan Pace, right? and then and then the week the next week he got hurt. That's right, I'm always gonna side. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm always gonna side with the player when it comes down to contracts, but man, that was a kick in the nuts. It's like, wow, you will probably never see him again, and we haven't since. I was happy for him, the man, though. Because if he's going to get that horrific injury, at least for Tariq the man, yes, the Bears can afford it. So I'm happy he got that money before he got hurt. Yes, I'm, I'm totally with you. But um, we'll see what happens with with if they want explosive playmakers. Then uh, there was a guy playing here last year who was that. It's Jakeem Grant. So he made I think about two million dollars last year. I think you give him a, a, a seven hundred fifty thousand dollars more. Or another million more, and I think he's a lock. He'll uh, he'll probably accept that. Um, I, I don't think he'll be offered any more than that by other teams, but it could happen. Um, all right, offensive line was a uh, big topic of discussion. Did I pull that offensive line some? Oh yeah, here it is. Um, we all we all of course know that this offensive line has to uh, it needs more competition, uh, needs different type of coaching, and so. Uh, Ryan Post talked about that and about where Tevin Jenkins would line up. We're going to change it up a little bit just in terms of the style. Um, so a lot of those guys, and the message has been pretty clear, we got to change body types a little bit. we got to get lighter. we got to get quicker. And um, through that, you know, I, I think there's some young talent that just needs to be pressed, and that's part of our job is to create competition and bring the best out of them. So I think we'll do that, and we'll see – how the, if you know if the cream rises to the top and you know especially with the O-line play a lot of times and I don't want to speak for the coaches but it's going to end up being the best five to roll out there. Ideally where does Tevin Jenkins line up for you when you guys get on the field? It's too early right now you know when we get back we'll get organized I think we put out the the mini camp that, the extra mini camp that we get in April so uh, we got some time to figure that out. He the idea of of going with a faster, lighter line is great. And so I'm looking at, you know, this roster and saying to myself, who can possibly lose 30 pounds and be more effective? I'm not sure there's a lot of guys on this offensive line. Like James Daniels is a is a free agent this year. I mean, this guy's butt, I, I've seen it like right in front of me, about 20 feet away <laughs> down at uh, Bourbon A. Um, this, it, this, it's about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. I'm not sure he can put take a lot of weight off. I think his body structure is that he's just going to be a big man. So maybe James Dennis is not going to be re-signed. Uh, maybe he's one of the, the offensive linemen who, who's going to go. Cody White here. Cody White here. We got to figure out a way to, to move on from that contract. I don't see the value uh, in Cody White here. I think his days with the Bears might be numbered. Might, might be numbered. Now, he would have to be like a post um May 1st, June 1st, uh, cut, and they, they'd still be a hit on the contract. But I, I see a lot of changes potentially happening with this offensive line. Does that is that music to your ears, Dan? Yes. I mean, I don't want to single out 
either guy and say that they're the, the problem because I can't tell you what the problem is. I'm just a guy in this chair. But I can tell you that there's a fucking problem. And there has been for numerous seasons now. And I'm glad that's one of the things I, that I'm excited about. They hire a guy whose background is an offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be where he wants to start to to fix things and and that's god justin fields has got to be like fuck yeah uh bear truth nine says that uh james daniels is athletic enough to move well at his weight i won't disagree with that there's that famous bit of video where he went out into the second level in that minnesota game and he he blocked the guy the defensive back and i think the defensive black back flew back like five yards and, and daniels just buried him so you're right. I mean, maybe maybe there is that chance. Um, Tony DePodboss says Cody White here is a nine million dollar savings post June first. Hey, uh, Cody, <laughs> there's a real estate agent down the street. You may want to talk to them about putting your house up for sale. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> I know um, a real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You've been uh, in the market, right? <laughs> I, uh, I I am scared about you know, making dramatic changes to the offensive line. You know, it's like, geez, you know, another year where it's going to be new faces on the offensive line and so forth. But it is what it is. And I think what's the most important, as he said about these young players, Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum are the two biggest uh, offensive line assets that you have. You don't know how good they are. You don't know how good they can be. They gave us a glimpse. They gave us a test. Jenkins had all those multiple penalties, and that hurt him. But you can't you can't excuse that because he wasn't properly prepared because of the injury he suffered. Larry Borum at the right tackle played enough to be impressive. And as somebody in the chat room said, Larry Borum lost like 30 pounds after last year's combine or or leading up to the combine he just got an, an, an incredible shape different from what he did in college and so perhaps he can continue to remold his body and what the bears want so um man i uh, I, I that's that's what i'm going to look for most guys do you think would you rather build an offensive line with young guys or would you rather look at who's that free agent and get guys in their mid 20s late 20s who already fit the bill uh, and have them be the, your Bears offensive lineman I, for the next I would years. like to see a, a, a big signing there. It, it kind of makes me think of the 2005 Bears mm -hmm. when they signed John Tate from Kansas City. Mm -hmm. you, you just had a big left tackle that, okay, then you can put everything else around that. And you just – a guy that can be the leader of those men because, like you said, the majority of them are going to be young – Mm -hmm. So you put a guy, you sign a guy that's got some experience that that commands respect, and then you're off to the races. Mm -hmm. Tooch, you got any uh, thoughts on how to build an offensive line? Uh, you go, you is it a mixture of youth and age, which is I think what Dan is is just saying, or do you prefer to go young, and that way you got a, a, an offensive line that is together for maybe ten years. Well, I, I think you can go two ways because you've got, you know, two uh, tackles, Borum and Jenkins. So you could, I, I think you're going to have to probably mix in, the, the Bears will probably, at least for this year, will have to mix in some veteran free agents. Maybe they keep Whitehair. I don't know. Uh, 
you can get better at center, you know. You got uh, it. And yeah, you have to. And well, then uh, uh, backup though. I, I I see Mustafa making the team somehow, some way. And and you know what? When it comes to lean and able to move, Mustafa kind of fits that bill already. What he needs to do is just get stronger, which is something that he worked on hard uh, during last year's offseason, but the, the results weren't there. We saw him get blown off the line. Now, he did have a lot of games where he had, like, all pro talent lined up against him. Um, so he, he, you know, but I, I think Mustafa can improve. I wouldn't necessarily think he should be an immediate cut. I, I, I hope he comes back to camp and, and he's, he gets a chance to win the job. And I like bars too. Alex Bars, another Notre Damer. Big guy. 6'5, 310 pounds. He's gonna have to lose a lot more weight. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of your perfect uh, Neil Stopchinski was talking about this on the last draft on tap. He's kind of your perfect backup offensive lineman. I mean, in a pinch, he can go over to the left tackle. Uh, we've seen him do that in a preseason game. Uh, he can play any any position in the middle. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you hate to lean on players like that, but this is the, the age of versatility and you need players to, uh, back up guys that can play multiple positions. PJ doesn't like, uh, Sam Mustafer. He says Mustafer is weak. He can't move anyone, but he does like Alex bars, a good backup. I don't know. I agree more with Tony, the pod boss who says Sam Mustafer is solid he just isn't good at anchoring. The pocket get, got collapsed a lot because of him. That's a big, kind, big point. Kind of importance. Anchoring <laughs> got, not, not letting the pocket collapse. Though. Yes. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> he's a really he's really good at technique, you know, because he has to be. He's not as athletic as other guys, which is why he was undrafted and, and why it took him a long time to get a chance to get into the starting lineup because the, the scouts were all pretty unanimous. This guy's a, a camp invite. He might get better. He might have a spot with the team, but he's not a starter. But he was forced into being a starter, and he stayed in that job. Maybe too long. Maybe not. Maybe he's going to get even better. We'll, we'll see. At the very least, he's got a lot of experience now. And if you told me that we signed a center, for example, uh, that immediately was an upgrade, but you said, well, in case he gets hurt, we got Mustafa in the bullpen. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's depth. Yep. Very, very important. Uh, now, uh, Tooch mentioned that we only got two, two wide receivers signed right at the moment. Uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, polls was effusive in his praise of, uh, Darnell Mooney was asked a couple of questions about Mooney, and uh, he shared uh, in one response, he shared this. He's got a quiet confidence about him, um, and he's hungry to be special. I'm always looking for guys that, like, they just keep rise, they keep raising their own bar in terms of where they want to go. And that, he wants to be special, and you can feel that in him. And I think we've all been around people that, like, they just they want to be the absolute best that they can be, and it's contagious, and it, it gives you energy. It gives you hope that... You know, well, really, it shows me we got to keep getting guys like that and keep adding them to the roster because if everyone has that mentality and they start pushing each other, then all of a sudden the team starts to raise the bar and the standard and make you know, then it's wins and it's the division and then it's going for championships. I think that's a a huge point, you know, and and in a different soundbite, polls talked about 
how they have done some studying as to what second-year quarterbacks need in order to improve. They studied a bunch of second-year quarterbacks in the league for last several years. And one of the things they came to a conclusion is that they need guys, these second-year quarterbacks need guys that they can depend on during moments of stress, that receiver that, you know, gets open uh, 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 and, and the quarterback will say, I got to look for my guy here. He could be a, a a second tight end. He could be the slot wide receiver. He could be whatever position, but they need to get that one guy. Well, you know what? They might have that guy already, Darnell Mooney, because that relationship that Fields and Mooney have have uh, struck with each other is has been outstanding. Dan, what do you think about, what do you think the ceiling is for Darnell Mooney as a wide receiver? You think he can be like a true number one receiver catching 90, 100 passes a, a season? Before I answer that, I thought you were about to say, because of the way you paused and you were just talking about tight ends, I thought you were going to say, the guy that could be Fields is like security blanket was Comet. I was going to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about a guy that can't break a tackle. Oh my god! <laughs> Someone's always falling down and dropping passes. That might be that might be the first thing that Poles does and says this fucking kid sucks. But uh, yeah, Mooney. I mean, am I sold on him being the number one receiver? Is he our Jerry Rice? Is he our Randy Moss? I don't think so. But can he be that? and like be forced into the number one position. Yeah. I mean, Bernard Berrien wasn't someone that jumped off the page as your number one, but he was effective yes. as the bears. Number one, if you well, maybe Musa Muhammad, but still Berrien was the one producing the numbers. Yes. And you know, maybe Mooney's that kind of player that just exceeds expectations mm -hmm. and exceed, cause he's a little guy too. That's Matt Nagy. Always. I was stressed about Mooney's body because Nagy always had him running these like three or four yard crossing routes in the middle of traffic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how many hits can he take? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the concern with Darnell Mooney. The good thing is, is I think he's going to pack more and more muscle uh, as the seasons go on. This will be his third NFL season. You know, usually it's, it's for wide receivers of his size. You see a dramatic difference between those photographs of when they were a rookie and the small amount of muscle mass, and then three, four years later, they haven't grown any taller, but boy, oh boy, the muscles are starting to pop, and you could you could see it. Uh, Danny Shimon once uh, described it to me when we were at uh, uh, practice once as that player has developed an NFL body during the offseason. So hopefully Mooney, and according to polls, this guy is dedicated to the job, wants to be one of the best, and so hopefully Mooney will add that muscle mass that will help him uh, overcome hits. That was the thing with Tariq that always concerned me, no matter what he did. I mean, I once put up a, a, a picture, <laughs> Robbie says, sign Devin or Aroma should do. I once put up a picture of uh, Darren Sproles early in his career with the Saints and, um, and uh, Tariq Cohen when he was a rookie. And the muscle mass difference between those two guys, it was unbelievable. Sproles was like 20 to 30 pounds heavier, and it was just so solid, man. He looked like a, a Marvel superhero. And uh, Tariq just looked like a small guy with freaky uh, athletic abilities. So um, we'll see about Mooney. Uh, I, the other thing, uh, Tooch, I know that you – uh, didn't you tell me that you were kind of eyeing one free agent, one free agent wide receiver that you'd like to see the, the Bears entertain uh, 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 approaching and, and bringing into the team? Well, there, there, it isn't that great of a class, but 
uh, there are some out there. I mean, I'm thinking like if they're if they're looking at at getting a slot wide receiver, you know, uh, there's guys out there like uh, Smith Schuster and Christian Kirk. I think Christian Kirk had coming off his best year in Arizona, and then uh, Juju Smith Schuster has had good years. He hasn't really had you know good quarterback play in the past couple of years. You know, and then of course he had an injury a couple of years back, but might be an intriguing guy. He's a big target. Um, and then uh, a guy I'm thinking might be the Bears target would be Marcus Valdez Scantling, who Luke Getze knows quite well. He's mm-hmm. big. He's very fast, man. There's, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, if he gets behind the, the secondary, they're not catching him. You know, he's got that kind of speed. I think he ran like a 4-3-40 at the combine when he was coming out. Uh, you know, those guys, he's, they've been in Luke Getze's system. They block, you know, like guys like Alan, Alan uh, Lazard and and uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Devontae Adams, they all block in the run mm-hmm. game. That's why Aaron Jones has such has a lot of success over there. Um, and then, uh, you know, you've got your other guys like uh, DJ Chark and uh, Mike Williams. But these are guys that are kind of uh, – well, Chark injured – you know, Mike Williams has been kind of uh, uh, underperforming until, you know, Justin Her- Herbert came around. He kind of woke up a little bit, but he's not fast or anything. Mm-hmm. He's just a, like a six foot five, 230 pound guy that's, you know, good in the red zone. But uh, I, uh, I I think they'll probably go after MVS. You know, I, I would think, you know, that's a guy that Luke Getze could plug in mm-hmm. immediately. You know, on the outside, Darnell Mooney, uh, do I think he could be a number one wide receiver? Yes. Will he? I don't know. I mean, it's really up to him. Uh, he he kind of reminds me of Marvin Harrison. Remember the old Colts yeah. wide receiver? Oh, who could forget? You know, about the same size. You know, Marvin Harrison might have been a little bit bigger, but kind of, you know, kind of the same kind of uh, body control and moves uh, that Marvin Harrison had. Uh, could, you know, Darnell Mooney, you know, it, 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 he could be uh be a guy that that uh you know uh, is that safety blanket for justin fields but you know mm-hmm. uh, the other guy that's under contract is daz newsome who i think played like you know, maybe a couple dozen snaps throughout the whole season yeah you know? well i think he suffered an injury in the preseason yeah. and so that slowed his development but when he played late in the season those few snaps we saw him he wasn't unimpressive uh so it's going to hopefully he's going to make some uh, big advances uh, uh, this offseason and we'll we'll see him contributing. Um I want to p- get Dan's reaction to this because I think it's going to be interesting. Uh but first uh Tony the Pop Boss says if I'm paying top dollar for a wide receiver he has to be better than Allen Robinson. I don't see that in free agency outside of Adams. I agree with you Tony. And then PJ earlier says I would gladly bring back Anthony Miller, Kevin White, and Riley Ridley on the cheap. They all have talent. They need better coaching to go along with Mooney and a second-round draft pick like Olave. Uh, Dan Aguirre, what do you think about bringing back Miller, White, and Ridley? Sounds like a law firm. I don't think Kevin White's in the league this season. He is, actually. I, mean, he's, I just checked No, but, out. but But in 22, I don't think he'll no, be he on is. the roster. He is. He's, he's, in, uh, he's on the Saints roster right now. So yeah. Do you think he'll make somewhere. the team in the fall is what I'm saying? I don't think he'll be. I think his career's over. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, w- I don't want Anthony Miller back. And Riley Ridley, I don't even know what we had. I mean, it's just like he never yeah. got on the field. But maybe we can trade for Calvin. He's, he's spent his whole Bears career in Matt Nagy's doghouse. Yes. He, you mm-hmm. know, 
Yeah, he had a bed and a, a snack table in there. <laughs> yes. It just seems like such a vindictive, like, you know, thin-skinned fuck, Nagy. Yeah. Yeah, the story. Yeah, it's like I'm not going to give Ridley a chance because you know he hurt my feelings or something. I could just see Nate. I wish we could get somebody else to talk about. Like I said, that our offensive coordinator, the dude from Oregon in 18, I would love to hear what he has to say. Uh, 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 Mark yeah, Helfer. Helfer. Riley Ridley's brother is a guy that you you could see in a Bears uniform if Atlanta's trying to, you know, uh, get rid of him. Calvin Ridley, you know, he had the little mental breakdown during this past season. You know, if uh, if Atlanta's looking to maybe trade him for, you know, maybe a third or fourth round pick, uh, mm-hmm. that might be wishful thinking. But I mean, Calvin Ridley, boy, he would he would look pretty good if he if you know if he does all of his problems are behind him, he'd look pretty good in the Bears uniform. Mm-hmm. I got a call today from uh, somebody uh, many of us know and love. Not everybody, I I know that Mike North. Says, I want to do a show Thursday. I go, why, Mike? What's what's on your mind? He goes, Mitch Trubisky. I see everybody talking about Mitch Trubisky, and he's going to finally get his shot to be a number one quarterback. And I, I want to go do my show on Thursday to talk about Mitch Trubisky. So on Thursday at 9 a.m. Central, Mike, the Mike North Advantage, we don't do a weekly show anymore. We, we, we do a show whenever Mike has an itch to share something. And so, you know, with all the Trubisky news, I just knew. I was looking at my phone saying, Mike is going to call any minute. And so I want to ask you guys, do you think Trubisky has a shot to be a starter in the NFL? Why not? Wouldn't it be something if Lovey got him? Oh, uh, you know, I, Dan, Dan, I, I never got your thoughts on Lovey becoming the head coach of the Texans. I'm going to no. root for him. I mean, we, we yeah. only play them once every four seasons. I, I think in, in Tampa, you know, I, I didn't want to lose to him at all. And thankfully Cutler beat him. But now that he's in Houston, I mean, like you said, he's they're going to be my AFC team. Why not root for Lovey? Like, he's still uh, the guy that took us to the Super Bowl, the first African-American head coach to advance to the Super Bowl. And why not have Lovey win in Houston? That, that, I, I would like to see it. I, had, uh, I, I had Rachel Van Ronge on my show Tuesday. Mm-hmm. who's a local uh, Houston uh, uh, TV personality. Mm-hmm. And we talked at length about Lovey Smith, you know, and she likes the signing, but he's kind of like, you know, the stopgap, get the uh, get the locker room in order, uh, see what else he can bring to the top, but uh, likes the signing, you know, bring, he hired Pep Hamilton to be his offensive coordinator. That's a good hire, you know, Pep, uh, a good offensive mind. You know, and then uh, talked about uh, the quarterback situation with Deshaun Watson, and uh, what what's going to happen with him. No one knows. An entire they still have Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills, mm-hmm. but uh, Lovey. Uh, uh, I, I asked her, you know, whether uh, she thought, uh, you know, maybe the league could pass a uh, Lovey by, and I mean, I, I I don't think so because a lot of people are still, you know, people use that the Tampa two, cover two, whatever you want to call it, still. You know, keep the plays in front of you. You know, Lovey's philosophy was make a team march all the way downfield because sooner or later they're going to make a mistake, a turnover. You know, Peanut Tillman's going to punch the ball out. You know, uh, someone's going to fumble or throw the ball. You know, uh, someone's going to jump a slant route and get an interception. That was Lovey's whole deal. And I think uh, Lovey will be a pretty good uh, uh, influence in Houston. And at the time that that team 
is in right now with the Deshaun Watson scandal, you know, and, and uh, Bill O'Brien leaving, you know, and all that. Uh, they uh, they have a new general manager as well, too. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was curious. I was going to ask Dan, but now that we're talking you know, Lovey Smith anyways, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what does Dan think? I know you're going to root for him, but uh, good hire. Uh, given all the chaos they've had recently with yeah. the owner not liking Watson and Watson not liking the owner and then all that shit with Watson and, and the alleged, like, hey, can you play with my asshole and all this stuff and <laughs> needing stability. Lovey's the kind of guy that can, he's sort of like Dusty Baker in baseball. You have the like, Astros have a huge fucking scandal. They cheat. And no one wants to gig. Well, you bring Dusty in, and that motherfucker will, will turn you around. Mm-hmm. I, I think Lovey can provide some stability there, and he he uh, is the kind of guy that sort of uh, gets respect and commands respect from his players. So uh, that maybe that's what they need in that town to sort of rebuild the the squad. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good hire. Yeah, I I'm I'm glad he's getting another opportunity. I don't have high expectations for what he's going to do with that franchise because it's in such disarray. It's not like he's being handed a, a, a squad with a, with a lot of talent uh, and the whole quarterback situation being the way that it is, but you know, they do have some resources to build a good team. So it's, I think it's going to be much more about the general manager bringing in talent for the Texans than it is about, Lovey's coaching. Lovey's going to field a good defense. You know, he's going to make the necessary changes to the cover two, and he's going to he's going to do well. And and that quarterback, that Davis Mills, holy cow, man, he had a really good uh, for a third round draft pick. He had a really good rookie had season. A couple but, nice games, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, uh, the the comments in the chat room are getting pretty good. Look, Swanky gets right to the points. <laughs> I'll you imagine having Deshaun Watson as a forty million dollar cap hit? Who the fuck pays these idiots? <laughs> There's another good one too. PJ, if Trubisky doesn't get a starting job, I would gladly sign Trubisky to be our backup for two years after trading Foles to Jacksonville. What do you think about Trubisky, guys? Yeah. No way Jacksonville's going to trade back for Foles, and there's no way the Mitch would voluntarily come back here. Not to shit on the gentleman's. What? A, a question. I just don't see it. Would Mitch come back here to compete with Justin Fields, though? No. I don't For a starting so. job? No. I think he'll I probably, think- you know, because of the quarterback situation the way it is in the NFL and these guys who have retired, these stars that have retired at the position, Roethlisberger and Brady and so forth. Yeah. I think there's going to be such a need for quarterbacks in this quarterback class Nobody that's going to be drafted in the first round uh, at, at the quarterback position is going to be starting in 2022. There just is not a starter in place. And so Trubisky will probably be signed by one of those teams, and yeah. and, and he'll probably get the opportunity to start. There's, some, there's a lot Let me ask of you openings this season. Yeah, there really are. You know, really like are. New Orleans, possibly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, you mentioned Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh. You know, uh, what about Cleveland? That's Mitch's hometown. Yeah. You know, yeah. Baker, Baker Mayfield. They might say, I, I could see Mitch going to the Browns and competing with Baker Mayfield for, uh, you know, they're both Baker, Baker Mayfield was number drafted number one overall, Mitch number two overall. Why not let mm-hmm. him battle it out? You know, I or Mitch goes Browns, back to Buffalo. 
I could see the Browns dropping Baker Mayfield. Uh, I don't know what the economics on that is, and and naming Trubisky their starter. Dan, is you, Mayfield a free agent? I think he's in that. Uh, the, I think they picked up the fifth year option, so he's going to make eighteen million dollars this season, I, I believe. Now they can go back on that, like the Bears did with Leonard Floyd. Um, there are still people in the Cleveland organization who think that uh, that Baker Mayfield can be a good quarterback and that the troubles he had last season were due to the amount of injuries. I mean, the guy was really banged up left and right, up and down. Good call, Tooch, with Cleveland, uh, says Laz. Dan, you were going to say something. about. Trubisky. I was going to say when it was brought up about Mensch trying to come back to Chicago, can you think in your head, and this is rhetorical because I don't know an answer off the top of my head. I'm not trying to ask you like a trivia question okay. can you think of any per, any player at any time that received just heavy scrutiny in one town or one team and that you know had needed the proverbial you know fresh start somewhere else and then ultimately came back to that team like i can't think of that like so someone that was essentially forced out yeah i don't remember them ever voluntarily going back to that team yeah, I uh, off the top of my head, I I don't remember that, but I, I bet you there is a name. Um, PJ wants to know from you, Dan, why not Foles back with Doug Peterson, and who is the new head coach in Jacksonville? I I just don't see Jacksonville trading back for him, but but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like you said, uh, he did win the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson, but I. <laughs> I don't think they would trade to to bring Foles back again, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's. To be what's his name's backup, Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, you know, I, I could potentially see him being a backup for Lawrence um, because he is so good in the quarterback room at tutoring quarterbacks. He, he's probably going to be a, a coach in the NFL soon after retiring. And so Foles has that value. Uh, and the he Jackson- could also help Fields. That is true. That is true. But- I, if you told me Falls was the backup this year, I wouldn't be like, oh. But if you told me Dalton was, I would be ready to fight somebody. What the fuck? <laughs> that guy's got to be gone. I'd love to see a cage match between Tooch and Dan just going at it. You guys wearing like r- r- Speedos or something? Nah, no one wants to see me in Speedo, but no one wants to see Andy Dalton back either. <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, Dalton and Foles are decent backups, but I mean, o- overpriced certainly. <laughs> yeah. The thing about is, why have a backup who is a stationary target to a, a quarterback who moves? I mean, go sign Tyrod Taylor or one of those uh, quarterbacks who, who is not necessarily a pocket quarterback, or somebody who has some mobility, so that when you put your reserve quarterback in for whatever reason, you don't have to – the style of the team doesn't change. I mean, do you guys see any Well, don't value? forget when Nagy would – with the quarterback did change because of injury or what have you, Nagy didn't realize it and never changed the plays to suit the quarterback that was in there anyway. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, if Fields is in there, we're going to keep calling the plays that uh, Dalton was going to run and, and vice versa. He, I'm just so glad he's gone. Dan uh, Foster covers says, uh, watch Mitch Trubisky end up on Green Bay and kick our ass for 10 years. <laughs> I like it. Let me just say that again. I liked Mitch. I, I would hate for him to go to Green Bay, Detroit, or Minnesota. I always feel that way whenever it's one of our guys. I don't want him to go to our divisional opponents. Yeah, and I don't want our guys to go to the divisional opponents too, Adrian Amos. That's what I, that was my point. That's what I was saying. I don't want to see Trubisky to go 
to one of those other teams. Oh, I get your point. Didn't uh, uh, McMahon went to uh, the rival? Yeah, but McMahon rival. was already thirty-seven right. and was about to retire Tom, when he Tom Zack too, didn't he? Did Tom Zack play for? Yeah, like, Tom Zack went for one year, then he played like five years in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, he was Plan B, I think, uh, going to Green Bay, and and we beat him, and when it was head to head, thankfully, so mm-hmm. right. it's Harbaugh. I don't know, man. Uh, this is going to be a wild off season with the quarterback tracing where quarterbacks are going to go. Um, guess, what? Who's to say that Buffalo just doesn't bring Mitch back as the backup? Yeah, Buffalo did today. Um, the Sean McDermott at the combine said. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is going to be competing for a number one job elsewhere. Yeah, he signed a one-year contract with Buffalo, and so the indication is they're not going to re-sign him because Trubisky is going to get offered a contract that Buffalo won't match because Trubisky will be competing for a number one job somewhere. So, well, why why wouldn't he get a deal last year and then suddenly he's getting a deal this year? Because there is there are no number one quarterbacks in the draft this year. Uh, anyone that, like I said a few minutes ago, anyone that's drafted in the first round as a quarterback is it needs a year or two of mentoring. So there's going to be 32 uh, uh, quarterback positions, but only 28 capable quarterbacks. And so Trubisky will probably be tried out as a number one because there's just the need that the market is uh, says there's a need. And I think the fact that Matt Nagy failed so miserably. Uh, here in 2021 sort of maybe gives him like people are like, ah, it wasn't all Mitch's fault. No, was it? So it gives him a credibility boost. And John is laughing because Robbie put up. Some of the the comments are hilarious tonight. (laughs) Robbie says Mitch will get a contract, get invited to the draft party and see his replacement be drafted. (laughs) Curse of John. Um, Yeah. I got a couple of more sound bites here. If you guys want to listen to them, let's see what we got here. Um, This is uh, Matt Eberflus talking about cornerback qualities. Uh, Because, again, this team is in need of a cornerback to start opposite Jalen Johnson and in need of a slot corner. So what are they looking for? For us, it's it's a couple things. Uh, You have to have quickness. Um, You have to have instincts. When I say instincts, that means that, uh, ball instincts, you know, so you want to be able to, yes, react to plays and all that, but we want guys that are ball hawks at the corner position. And the reason I said quickness versus because to get the ball, you have to be quick out of transition. You know, at the top of your routes, you're going to have to do a great job of transitioning to either bust what we call bust the triangle up or take the ball away. So those two things, then really the last thing for us um, would be speed. You have to have speed at that position. Uh, because you have to have makeup speed. You're going to be out of position sometimes. The receivers are the, some of the best guys on the field. Um, so really, I would say those three things. Where the hell are we going to find that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm personally really down on their corners. Like I think Johnson's overloved, and I same for Vildor. I think Vildor is awful. Mm-hmm. So uh, we really need like to me the secondary and the offensive line are the two number one positions that need to be reworked this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to give up on Kendall Vildor. I know he had a bad stretch there towards the end of the season that led to his benching. But The end of the season? I thought he was shitty the whole season. See, I, I don't agree with that. I don't I don't agree with that. First half dozen games, you heard, hardly heard the name Kendall Vildor mentioned because 
he wasn't giving up any big plays. But as the season wore on, they just figured, you know, Jalen Johnson's playing really well. Let's start picking on the other guy. And they they did so with uh, – but, but some of those plays that Vildor gave up, big plays, it was like he was so close. He was so close. The, the biggest thing that concerns me about Vildor is whether he really has the NFL body. And, um, and during the press conference today, one of the things they were talking about were, were matchups. If you're in a division with a lot of big wide receivers, then you need big cornerbacks. Well, the Bears are in a division with big wide receivers, and Ryan Pace drafted a guy who I stood next to at the Senior Bowl, and I was towering over Kindle. I, I, I swear to God, he was not eye-to-eye with me. I was looking down at him. At first, when he was just standing there, nobody was talking to him. I went up to him, and I and I just wanted to take a peek at his name badge because I didn't know who he was. And then I saw the name Kindle Vildor, looked at my notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got Kindle. You got a couple moments to talk. And so I did a quick interview with him. But he just he's, – he's, he's not a good fit for the Bears right now. Um, and But I, I still – think that he could end up having a good NFL career. And Beerman says Thomas Graham Jr. could be a really good player for this Bears team. I I, I could see Graham. Let's see. I see Graham being superior to uh, Vildor. And like I said, I kind of feel like Johnson is one of those guys that's a little bit iffy on the character and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, well, like I don't like Nagy any more than anybody <laughs> else, but he was, you know, you know, outing him on Twitter and all this. Yeah. And, and, he seems very diva-ish, if that's an adjective. Well, I mean, did you see the letter that Nagy wrote to him about what was he, what was he late to a meeting or something? It's like Yes. He got fined like five hundred dollars or five thousand dollars or something like that for, right. uh, for being late to a meeting. And it was Where, like where's Dick Dick Butkus when we need him? He would be yelling at right now. It was what a form letter. He'd have fined your ass for being one minute late. <laughs> True. Uh, but, yeah. The the thing is is that you know, why don't you pull the player aside and say, listen, man. I, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with both of you. I'm just saying to me, Jalen Johnson seems like he's, you know, I don't think you post that shit online, but that's just me. Whatever, man. I just, I'm afraid he's uh, he's a diva is what I'm saying. Well, that was like one of the things that would like, uh, the wheels were coming off the naggy wagon, you know. With the, uh, you get a glimpse into the locker room, you know, uh, falling apart. This is what I what I would say, you know, back when Nagy was still the coach when I was coming on the show. And say, you know, I think the locker room, you know, there's some turmoil there with stuff like that. You know, you get occasionally we were getting glimpses into like how the players really felt about Matt Nagy because publicly they would say, oh yeah, yeah we got coaches back and all this shit, you know, because they're, they're talking to their future coaches, you know, mm-hmm. they're not talking about Matt Nagy, you know, and then other stuff where you get, we would get, we would get glimpses into, you know, the cracks in the foundation and stuff. At least that was my, that was, you know, if you're reading between the lines, that's what I was getting now though. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't argue with that. Um, what do you guys think uh, about the tight end position? I know Dan earlier said that he's not a big fan of Colt I'm with Dan. I disagree with you guys. Yeah, okay. I think I mean, the guy is young. He's he's, yeah. he's growing into the job. I think this third year in the NFL, he's going to show us some some growth. I I, I do believe in him. I, you know, I, I, I know you, you've always said it takes time with tight ends. Although, mm-hmm. yep, exactly. So maybe, 
may, I'm hoping, but he does not seem very fast or very athletic. That's what Dan and I. Yeah, you know, are, are and he's not. He, he's not. You know that athletic pass catching wide receiver. He's more the blocking guy who can also be your safety valve and, and create some plays. But he doesn't have good hands. So how's he going to be the safety valve? He drops all kinds of passes. He <laughs> has had some problems with drops. <laughs> uh, Robbie says he likes. Do you, would you prefer Jesse James over? Uh, I would. Or uh, or Jesper Horstead. Either one of those guys have played better than Komet, but his his draft status has kept him in politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would. Jesse James made a nice. He caught a pass, made a nice cut. He like faked somebody out, and I was like, for a guy that's six foot eight, he moves a lot better than Cole Komet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't expect that from him. Then you got like Dan, Dan is calling for Jesper Horsa, who's smaller and faster, you know, and that's the kind good of hand. Guy, you know, Great yeah, hand. good hands. And he's, good hands. he's the answer to the trivia question, who caught Fields' first touchdown? That's yep. right. That is right. And he should catch like about 10 of them a year if you get the playing time. Mo Beerman says it took Kelsey three years to learn the position uh fully all you got to do is ask he's right you know the tight position because there's so many responsibilities it's it's about blocking it's about uh pass patterns it's about uh, all sorts of stuff and so you know it's one of the more difficult positions wide receiver used to also be that way but that's changed because college football now is just pass 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 and these guys who would come these wide receivers who would come into the nfl with the limited knowledge of the route tree so many of them now have much more knowledge and they can they can be more effective at least you know in some ways in their rookies second i i would never draft a wide receiver in my fantasy football team if he was a uh uh we don't need tight nine tight ends no we just need three good ones that's we, all we had 12 last year uh fair man <laughs> yes how about this is an indictment on commit he was drafted by ryan pace Oh my gosh, drop him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, how 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 uh how long before we we kind of come to the realization that Ryan Pace wasn't really that good at drafting? I mean, Adam Shaheen, Kevin White, uh what what's what are some of the other like uh first and second round picks he missed on you know i'm just like yeah. he'll, he'll hit on the fourth fourth rounds and fifth rounds and sixth round he's like he's like a superstar there but oh. i mean you have to uh hit on the on the first and second rounders you know that's right and, and those middle and late rounders those are usually the scouts choices those they yeah. have much more input on that the, point. You know, ryan pace because of the money that's spent on first and second rounders that's basically his decision cody whitehair and james daniels two second rounders and two average right now offensive linemen whitehair will always remain average in my opinion James Daniels, though, has the potential because he's so young. What is he, 23 years old and already has three, four years of experience? Um, James Daniels has the chance to be a all-pro or pro-bowl caliber offensive lineman, but but it may not be with the Bears. We'll see. He's going to get $10 million easily somewhere, guys, and I don't think any of you guys want to want him to uh, to make that with the with the Bears, right? No. <laughs> Hair Bear says that pace didn't hit shit. Uh, oh, I lost it. Sorry, uh, it's my fault. It's all right because all all of them good picks were hit on by the scouts. Yeah, yep. That's what Got all those says. Yep, those yep. are the scouts' picks, the later round picks, and we probably weren't even Ryan Pace's picks. I guess right. we're giving him credit for guys who probably didn't pick. You know, 
Exactly. Exactly. And then and then he would lie about, you know, like Dan said earlier, the, there was consensus in the room that everybody wanted Mitch Trubisky to be the quarterback. No, that's not quite true. They put out a video, the team did, where they were celebrating the Trubisky pick. Yep. And Pace said that. He goes, in guys, he was he was the consensus pick for out of us, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like everyone was like agreeing and clapping. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment, I was like, okay, good. Let's we, let's buy in for Mitch then. But um now looking back on it, it was probably a lie. Yeah. Um let's see. I saw a comment here that I want to share and it just went away from me. Um Let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I think it was from Foster, but I don't see it now. Foster does say here, Komet's not the guy. Oh, sorry, oh, I, I, I right, had it right. too. I messed uh, it up. Uh, Komet's not the guy. Hope I'm wrong. If he's not fast, you answered it. Komet's gone. And Komet is not fast. You know, not every tight end who is a good tight end is fast. You know, he's got. What does he do well that you all, that you think is so, like, impressive i i just don't see it he is a good blocker is he yes he's not okay. a, he's not a bad blocker he still needs improvement but he he's he's a good blocker he his 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 youth his age is is a positive he's got two get years him of, some better cleats why is he always falling <laughs> i understand your frustration with him. <laughs> i just think I, I i just think that it's it's too early to to kick him out the door. Robbie I'm says, not saying that he should be, but I honestly believe if he weren't selected as, as high as he was, he would he, his play would warrant being warranted being benched last season. I, I just don't agree with that. I just don't I don't think that Jesse James is that uh is is better than Cole Komet. I well I uh, Jimmy Graham was there and Jesper Horstead was there as well. Mm -hmm. And uh Horstead all he does is catch passes. You know, they always say that about Chris Carter with the touchdowns when mm -hmm. Philly, you know, utilized him. All he does is catch remember Buddy sets all he does is catch touchdown, but we're gonna cut him anyway because he's Tony, got drop uh, brother. Tony the pod boss is, is like got all those uh back here. Yeah he got Komet had six hundred yeah. yards receiving he's a solid tight end Give him some time, brother. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I have a we question. Kind of, we kind of have to. We invested a second round pick in him, right? We got to see if he's good. Yeah. At least right. this next year, right? Yeah. Um, I have a question in the press conference today. Polls a couple of times talked about players who want to be great, who want to see their names etched on the stadium wall. And when he said that, I immediately thought, I got to ask Dan this question. And Tooch, I'd love your opinion too on this. Do you think Khalil Mack wants his name etched on that wall? Do you think that he is a player who works so hard because he wants to be the absolute best? Or do you think that Khalil Mack has relied on his awesome, incredible athletic ability but hasn't done other things to make himself uh, a true great of the game. That's a great question. Thank you. Yeah, I feel uh, like I can't answer that, and it's not to just uh, puss out or something. I I've not really got a sense of Max's personality at all. Anytime he speaks, he really doesn't say anything. It's like he was the perfect player for Matt Nagy or John Fox in that regard. You know, it's like, I don't know anything about his personality. He's never really said anything. 
except that one year he's like, oh, I'm working out on the bike or whatever in the, the preseason. And he did a Zoom call from his, his bike or whatever. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I hope that if he's still here, that he finally becomes the kind of guy that we saw Donald be in the Super Bowl, just the guy that can turn the game around. I, I thought that's who we were trading for, and he did that for a couple of games in 18, and he hasn't since. Mm-hmm. And he's, I'm sorry, he was harshly outplayed by Robert Quinn. I know uh, he was hurt earlier in the year, but Quinn did all of that without him. He's never played as well as Quinn did last season. Never, at least with the Bears, except for a couple of games in 2018. So d- does he is he hungry? Is he complacent because of all the money? I it's not fair for me to to make that assessment. What do you think, Tooch? You know, uh, it's a great question because uh, there's been, I mean, the the leaves are rustling with this uh, uh, in in the time that Mac was here, and 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 probably like when he was on his way to the Bears from the Raiders, mm-hmm. that like uh, you know he he didn't really. Uh, uh, he, he relied on his athletic ability for everything, you know, because he was such a phenomenal athlete and uh, uh, maybe didn't uh, put as much effort into, uh, uh, sh- you know, uh, sharpening his body to withstand some of this pounding and, and you know, stave off the injuries and stuff, you know, maybe flexibility or whatever kind of uh, uh, training they're doing these days to sort of keep the, keep the injury bug away and, I th- I think at least for this year he he was definitely hurt. You know I, I know Robert Quinn had a fantastic season the year before Robert Quinn was hurt. You know Mac was carrying the load, so uh, would it have been nice to have both of them, you know, healthy at the same time? Hell yeah, we would have uh, would have been a different story. Although Matt Nagy might still be here, so maybe <laughs> maybe it's a good thing that they were you know uh, took a little little uh, uh, injury there, but. Uh, I think uh, this season uh, there were, you know, there were there were little stories about this and uh, out there you could you could find, uh, and I think uh, this season he probably realized I have to do some things differently, you know, just to stay healthy, just to you know maybe watch more film and and study more and and you know uh, we'll see. I mean, Eberflus will know how to get the best out of him. You know, I, I think that's for sure. Right. Doesn't it feel like if we went to hell, if there really was a hell, that part of your punishment would just be to just stare at images of Nagy smiling? <laughs> <laughs> that smile that he knows I stole all this money from the, uh, the McCaskey. <laughs> uh, what uh, I've actually prayed about this a couple of times. I, I wish I could exercise him out of my mind. I don't want any memory of Matt Nagy ever again. <laughs> I would have rather Lovey come back or John Fox stay. I, I, he was worse than Trestman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, well, yeah, that's debatable, but we'll, we'll debate about that some other time. I, I well, had a thought about Khalil you could Mack. argue that Trestman had more offensive success. So certainly could make that argument. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, but yes. uh, they were uh, Trestman was just weird. You know, and then uh, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy was a phony, you know, so we had these two guys that just they were they were poison for a player who uh, mm-hmm. who would play under them. That's that, that that's the feeling I, I, I got that feeling from Nagy after two seasons. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, Khalil Mack 
started uh, this season. Let me see if I can find the stats here real well, just so that we can remember the great start he had in 2021. Um, and I, I think a lot of that credit goes to Sean Desai as well, because uh, he had these exotic uh, pass rushing schemes. And maybe, maybe Mike Patton, too, deserves credit. But in his first game of the 2021 season, he had uh, zero sacks. That was followed by one sack against Cincinnati, two sacks against the Browns in Cleveland, the game uh, Dan and I were at. And he played hurt in that game. And we have to give him credit. Right. Remember, he left. Uh, that's the game where he ultimately hurt his foot that he would have to get surgically repaired. Exactly. So right. the following week at Detroit, Dan and I were at that one. He had one sack in that game. He had another sack against the Raiders the following week and another sack the, the following week. So in a three, four, five, in a five-game period, he had six sacks. And so that was one of the, his best starts ever with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Sean Desai had that chicken tikka defense. <laughs> Robbie is making me hungry now. <laughs> but what I want to say about Khalil is that um, one of the things – Bill Shuey, his linebackers coach, said last season is that because uh, Mac was unable to practice, he was held out of practice throughout the week, we had asked him to do more mental reps. And uh, Shuey's exact quote was, which is something that he's never done before. And so that bothers me. That bothers me because I think all of the great players – Bill Russell, I, I re remember reading his autobiography, and he said in those long bus rides, he would close his eyes and he would play the game in his mind from the opening tip to the final gun. Uh, Wayne Gretzky always visualized the game, which is why he could see the ice rink land at 360 degree. Michael Jordan, all of these great, great, great players, they visualized it. They they did more than hitting weights and, you know, doing all this great athletic stuff to be prepared physically to for, for the double teams and triple teams like Mac would face. But what Mac apparently didn't do prior to this last season was visualize the game, which is which is to me an indictment that he didn't put in all of the work. You got to do the physical and the mental. He didn't put in all of the mental work to show up and be ready to go get after quarterbacks. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but um, I think there's something to that. Hopefully his offseason rehab is going well, and hopefully he's spending a lot of time visualizing what he has to do, creating new pass rush moves, uh, figuring out ways to avoid double teams and stuff. Uh, if he has, then maybe he'll have a, a nice 15-sack season with the Bears in 2022. And maybe he could be inspired by the play of Quinn. Exactly. Those two guys together at the defensive end position, no longer having to drop back and pass patterns, although they're going to do it, you know, you'll still see it from time to time a little bit. But for the most part, 98 99% of the time, they're going to be going forward and getting after the quarterback. That's going to be huge. Quinn and Mack on a 4-3 defense, holy shit. If those guys stay healthy, they could be great. Somebody in the chat room earlier said, you know, what, do you think that Robert Quinn is going to regress in 2022? What do you guys think? I don't see why he would. Yeah, I don't see – he's turned around his mental health issue that he had a problem with in 2021, which resulted in a poor season, only two sacks. Um, so 
I, I think he was going through a divorce in 20. Yeah. If I heard that correctly. And, and I, as I know, that'll fuck with you. Like, uh, just, you can't quantify how much that will fuck with you. So like he's, he was embarrassed by that year. He was going through immense pressure at home. Plus he was hurt. Mm-hmm. So all that combined for a terrible season. And he absolutely redeemed himself. Yeah. Ravi sa- uh, says that the Bears D might be a top five defense this year. You have any reason to disagree with that, uh, Tooch? Well, that boy, the chat room is excited about it. All got him fired up with, uh, you know, talk of Quinn and Mac at the same time, you know, and uh, not having to drop into coverage and all this stuff. But uh, do you think the Bears are counting on both these guys uh, back next year? Uh, 2022, mm-hmm. this season? Yeah. I, I would not be surprised if they decided to say, hey, we're blowing the whole fucking thing up. Give me some draft picks and stuff. Yep. This is yep. this is an interesting draft in that what I've heard from people like Daniel Jer- Jeremiah is that the picks from 15 to 60, all of those players could be interchangeable. Like the 60th yeah. player on, on a board could be the number 15 on some other team's board because that, that, that talent level in that area is so similar. And so what does that tell me? And this would be a great year to have a couple of uh, second rounders or a couple of third rounders uh, in addition to the second rounder. So if you can trade some of these veteran guys and pick up some draft assets uh, in those first 60, 65 picks, might might benefit the team. Uh, if you could trade Mac, I would I would move him because of the the contract. If someone would actually give you something for him, you know, third fourth round pick and accept that debt, I would I would move fifty two. I know that I'm going to be like scolded for that, and and I wish him well when he, if he's here, I'll root for him. But if I could trade him, I would. But the thing is, is that if you trade him, you you you're really not saving any money because the the debt. Ca- cap money is like 36 million you're still in it for a, a hell of a lot you're you're just you're 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 using a credit card uh and you're getting rid of them but all the finance charges are due and they're a hell of a lot on a uh, yeah. huge contract yeah. like his this is so, what i was talking doesn't about the other team accept the responsibility with the trade no they do not um, they accept the money due to him in the future, but money that has been offset because. Oh, okay, I got you. That's mitigated, but with the signing bonuses. Yes, exactly. So uh, it's it, it, and I'm not a financial expert by any means, but Gabriel has explained it to me a couple of times, and I nod my head, agreeing with him. But in actuality, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> my yeah, wife right, right. They saddled us with so many bad contracts. Oh my god. Right. Ryan Poles, uh, he, he's sitting back, man. I hope they, they uh, uh, renew that TV contract so we'll get some more mm-hmm. separate cap space. You know? Exactly. Because, goddamn, the guy before me yeah. robbed the cupboard. It's cupboard's um, there. Well, the, here's the yeah. here's the good news. We're going to have a lot of Bears news to talk about over the next two to three weeks because the combine will be over by the time we meet again next Tuesday. We'll also uh, free agency frenzy will start the following week, so we'll got we'll have a lot to talk about there. The OTAs are not too far down the line, so we'll have a lot to talk about there. So we've got a lot of Bear stuff to talk about on this show and our other shows on the Bear Network. But I want to, in these last 10 minutes that we have, I want to turn things over to Dan Aguirre, who was profoundly impacted by the conclusion of 
um, what's the name of that show? Euphoria. Uh, and so for those of you who uh, don't want any spoilers at the end, uh, you might want to turn off now and uh, join us back again here tomorrow with Bardown Hockey at uh, 2 p.m. Central. Dan, it's all yours, brother. Are you familiar with the characters of Fesco and Ashtray? One of them is the drug dealer, right? Right. Yeah. The, the, at the beginning of season two, you got their backstory. Yeah, it was great. How the, grandma, came... the grandmother raised them. I told Aldo before the show the backstory was great. Yeah, the backstory is like his grandmother was a drug dealer and essentially you know, needed a partner and Fez was the little boy and she used that. And then because somebody owed her money or something, it was gave her another child for like collateral that ended up being Ash. And when he was a baby, he was eating Ash like cigarettes, yeah. out of ashtray. So they called him ashtray. Yeah. Uh, in reality, he's a 15 year old actor. He's a boxer. He's training for the 2024 uh, Olympics for America, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's still in high school, but uh, over the course of the last two seasons, if you follow the show online at all, that they've both sort of become fan favorites, if you will. Uh, coming from sort of nothing, uh, the story of the actor that plays Fesco, the uh, the casting crew saw a guy walking down the street who wasn't even an actor and liked the way he looked and talked to him, and they cast him as Fez. They just saw him walking down the street, and of course he passed the auditions and stuff. Uh, but they just liked his look. They thought that's the way the character should look, right there, his style, his presence. So initially they were going to kill him in the first season. They didn't. And uh, from all the stuff I've read, he was supposed to die at the end of season two as well. But again, he's just so popular with the fan base of this show. So at the end of season one. He killed this awful drug dealer. It was a cliffhanger at this at season one. You didn't know, know what Mouse. had happened. But he, Mouse is the guy that forced Rue to take uh, uh, that shit that killed Prince and Tom Petty. What is it called? Fentanyl. Fentanyl. He forced her to take fentanyl in season one and all this. So he's just an awful guy, but he killed Mouse. So that was like the police were on to somebody killing this other drug dealer, and they started to suspect him. One of his friends... Uh, was snitching and was trying to basically get in with the cops and was willing to testify against him because he knew that Fesco had killed this guy at the end of season one. So uh, at the end of the episode, Fesco had gotten a love interest with uh, Maude Apatow, who's playing Lexi, and he's supposed to be going to Lexi's play. He's in a tux, and this guy, this shitbag, shows up, and you're like, oh, no, here it is. And he's got his phone on and it's on record so that the police can hear the conversations and stuff. So Ashtray recognizes what's going on and he stabs the guy in the throat and kills him. And of course, Fez is trying to tell him not to, and he does it anyway. So now they know the police are about to raid the house. They just, they know it. It just killed their informant. So Fez is like, look, man, just give me the knife, surrender, and I'm going to take the blame here. Was Custer because, the informant? Yes. Okay. So he he wanted Ashtray to turn himself, because, again, he views Ash as his brother. So he's like, give me the knife. Go turn yourself in, and, and I'm taking the blame for this. So Ash 
refuses, hits him in the head and distracts him and like just for a minute, just so he couldn't physically overtake, overpower him and, and goes all Pacino and grabs all these weapons and locks himself in the bathroom. So Fez is like, Ash, don't do it. He's like, he's screaming, like, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. The police raid the place and Fez. I'm sorry, Dan. I was giving some B-roll. Go ahead. Yeah. So the it, the acting is phenomenal, and he just the 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 emotion. You know, he's begging him to come out, and the police come in. He's got his hands up immediately. He's trying to show the police, "I'm no threat to you," but he's screaming. He's beg. He's, he's he's a kid. He's a kid. Please don't shoot him. He's a fucking kid. Well, Ash can't see what's going on. And there ends up being some gunfire. So he opens up all, all these semi-automatic weapons and there's firing. Fesco gets shot in the stomach in a bad spot where you could easily bleed out. He's laying there still attending to his wound and begging Ash to turn himself in and stop. And eventually the police just, you know, shoot, you know, an enormous amount of rounds and they open the door to see if he's in there. And they looked, they said, oh, he's down. The man's down. And he was faking and he jumps up, Ash does, and shoots a policeman. And he's standing there with the gun. And the thing that really affected me was you see this from Fez's perspective as he's sitting there and Ash is standing with the gun after he just shot the policeman. And you see Ash look down and see the red laser pointer at his stomach. And he slowly looks up as the laser pointer goes to his forehead. And then suddenly all you can hear is Ash, ashtrays breathing. You know, it's just, it's real heavy. Cause how would you feel like, oh shit, I'm about to get shot by the police. Mm. And his breathing is real heavy. And then you see it from Fez's perspective, it cuts away and you hear the shot and you just see Fez's eyes as he looks away and he's about to cry. And you'd, you'd have to see it. Like, I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job, but just the drama of him begging him to turn himself in and like I said, you see the laser pointer and he raises up and he, his breathing's real heavy. And then it just gets shot, man. And it, I guess technically you didn't see the shot. So maybe if they, they've been renewed for season three, you could say, well, maybe they didn't shoot him in the head. Maybe they just shot him in the chest, whatever. But Fez's eyes to me said, no, they shot him in the head. He's gone. But the actor, the kid that plays him, the 15-year-old, confesses that he doesn't know the outcome. He's like, I hope they somehow bring me back and I'd like to be on the show. And he's like, I would be a little bit bitter if they're still doing it and I'm not part of it. Uh, and he guess they, he said they rewrote it, man. It was supposed to be Fez that died. And like the day before the shooting, they're like, we can't kill Fez. So it's you buddy. <laughs> well, and geez, that sucks. yeah. And the kid that put the actor that plays Fez was upset about it too. Cause he says, you know, he's, he's a little kid and he kind of does look at him as his brother almost, you know, like, so he hated that too. But just the suspense, the drama, man, when it was over, because there's so much more catharsis with other characters that I don't want to ruin for you. They, they are not the main characters by any stretch. If you don't mind, is there any way you could play the third video so you could see what I was talking about with Ash dying so sure. I could get your reaction before give me, I go? Give me a minute to uh, rack it up. Hold on just a second. Yeah, this season has a whole lot of great storylines. I the critics have criticized it. I think it's great. I thought it was yeah, way I, better. I, I do too. I love the uh, 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 Cassie in love with Nate 
storyline where she's just like nuts. I agree. I agree. I thought it was great. She's it was like crushing her soul, you know, that he was like playing kind of, you know, unhand, uh, you know, secondhand with her. Right. Here is uh, the third clip. Um, from, oops, wrong button. This is shot off of uh, Dan's uh, TV screen. Get some audio here. Answer me! Powerful stuff, man. Oops. It's good, man. It was so good. Like, and I just sat there. Like I said, I I was gonna watch that the show on Showtime that you were telling me about at the same time. You know, the one with uh, about Uber. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch it right after this. But it took me an hour to get over that. I, I watched it ultimately, but I, I bet I didn't start it for almost 90 minutes after that. Because hmm. I just sat there, hmm. like, just like. I mean, whatever their impact of the goal was for them to elicit a reaction from the audience, they succeeded massively with me. Mm -hmm. I just, man, I was like deflated. Yeah. I just, it was so good. Like to me, that's an Emmy award winning scene. Well, it, it was funny because you texted me right afterwards and it sounded like you were emotionally uh, taken by, by that scene. So yeah, man. And just like, if you watch the other two videos preceding it, just the buildup where he's begging him, like, to why are you doing this shit, man? Like, this is the fucking police. Mm-hmm. You know, like, stop, 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 you know, and 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 obviously he he wouldn't. So it's just, man, it was amazing. It's just it's too bad it went that way. But uh obviously it was good for the show in terms of drama, though. Yep. Bear Truth Nine uh wants to know if you then have watched Nightcrawler yet. Uh, he has recommended it a couple times on previous shows. It's the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, um, 2014-15. Have you seen it, Dan? What? What? God, I don't remember this recommendation. I apologize. Uh, what's What's Gyllenhaal doing in it again? Photographs, uh, 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 video photographs, car crashes. I think. No, I, I no, didn't no, no, see no. it. What What uh, What platform is it on? Um, I think it's on Showtime. Is that the one uh, Nightcrawler where he's 
no, no. He Mike sells Powell, like crime scene pictures to uh, uh, news agencies, doesn't he? Like, uh, it's a Lewis Bloom, a con man desperate for work, muscles into the world of LA crime journalism. He blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. I, I need to check it out then. I mean, I, I don't want to like have anyone think that I'm above their recommendations. Like, uh, again, if it's on a platform that I can easily access, then I should watch it. Yeah. I, uh, let's see if it says on IMDb where it's playing a prime video, Amazon prime video. Yeah, that's yeah, I've got that one. So I, I'll try to watch it this week then. Yeah. And I got one. I saw the guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that. He plays a, uh, and Dan, this would interest you. He plays yeah, a yeah. cop who has had uh, some issues and has, oh, the nine one one thing. I saw this. Oh, okay. So, what'd you think of that? Uh, and quickly tell people what what it, what the plot is, so that way you're not giving an opinion. He, he's know. being punished and having like he's been taken off the street, mm-hmm. and like so he can justify still getting paid. They make him essentially answer nine one one calls for them. Mm-hmm. But right, as much as it was gritty and. So much better than that bullshit movie that Halle Berry did about 911. The things that he was doing were unrealistic, though. Like, he couldn't just sit there and argue and cuss customers or callers. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, you'd be fired. I don't give a fuck if you are a policeman. You're on a recorded line, and all of those tapes can be used in court. Right. All of them are subject to being played in court. You couldn't be just sitting there because you. Do, I don't like you. Like, if if you're a dick to me, you're calling in, and I and I don't like you. I can't just be like, Mr. Gandhi, go fuck yourself. I can't do that. That's my job is to not do that and to try to de-escalate the situation. And his character just randomly just, like, cuts these promos on people, and it's not realistic in that regard. I didn't think it was at all. My wife and I watched it together, and we said, wow, so much, so much of this is implausible. But it does pack an, an emotional punch, doesn't it? Yeah, it was it was an enjoyable movie. And the fact I heard him on Stern talking about it a while ago, I think it was when I was going to Pittsburgh for the Bear game. I mm-hmm. uh, he they shot that movie on an iPhone in like eleven days. Oh, yeah. It was like it was like during the pandemic, so it, it only took them less than two weeks to do it on a fucking iPhone, which is incredible. Yeah, because they never left that room, or actually, it was in two rooms. It was the nine one one room, and then he goes into a separate room uh about 45 minutes into the movie so and he's throwing all these tantrums and shit that he would not be allowed to do yes he he was definitely suffering from psychological issues because he uh did something wrong and uh was was afraid because of the following day here's another implausible thing it's 2 a.m in the morning he's working at 911 and the following day he's got a court hearing to determine his future to, to, because of the case that uh that he's involved in i think it's highly unlikely they would do that yeah, we know you got a really intense day tomorrow, but we need you to work nine one one all the way past two a.m. Jake, I don't think. Yeah, that's I just it was uh, implausible. Unfortunately, I got to go, and at some point, maybe next week, we can uh, get into the Cosby uh, yes. talk, and and I maybe that uh, Uber one too. Yes, I uh, demand everyone who's a fan of this show to watch. Uh, what's the name of the Uber one? It's called. Uh, Jesus. Super pumped. Super pumped. Story of Uber with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and some other good stars. I thought excellent uh, 
season premiere episode one is in the banks by the time next week we'll, we can talk about the two episodes and then and we keep talking about cosby we will definitely talk about cosby next week and sunday night next week the lakers show sh- starts on hbl yes baby yeah. can't wait which to is see gonna that. be really fun yeah it's uh getting good reviews already from people who have seen it can't wait to see that hey i'm gonna pull the plug on this episode i got a lot to do uh yet tonight uh so yeah, i gotta go anyway so you all be well all right you get out of here dan right, uh, tooch and i will turn off the lights later. here at the bar room take care dan um, Tooch, anything I'm not, you I'm not touching to... that. I'm not touching Dan's light. I don't know what, <laughs> what kind of what what kind of things I'm going to get off of that light bulb. <laughs> Tooch, anything you want to promote before we uh, get out of here? Uh, yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, John Santucci VIP, and you can get uh, if you retweet my uh, free play post. And follow me on Twitter. You get a free play tonight. My free play was uh, the under in the Air Force San Jose State game under 126. I think they scored only 99 points. Oh, so 100, nice. 102 points, something like that. Well, how many points are there? Hold on a second. They scored 112 points tonight. So wow. I, uh, I sent you two winners too recently, Aldo. Brian and Murray State. Yeah. Yes. And uh, you can get a uh, free play if you retweet. Uh, Retreat my free play post. And tell uh, them about your podcast. You've been having some great guests and yeah. post. Yep. Uh, it's called Maximum Edge Sports Wagering Show on YouTube and Twitter. And we get we actually get more interaction on Twitter. You know, uh, YouTube's very hard to break into, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. all, all Barum's a success story, you know, for YouTube. It's hard to hard to break in on, on YouTube and at this point in time, you know. Twitter is a lot more people just uh, looking for quick uh, gambling tips. So uh, mm-hmm. our shows are short, anywhere from like 5, 15, 25 minutes long. Uh, we have some good guests. I think uh, Thursday I've got Matt Peralt from uh, uh, the Daily Juice Betting Pros. Nice. Uh, Friday, Sean Higgs from Picks and Parlays and Winning Picks. He usually joins us on Fridays to talk about Saturdays college basketball like i said we had uh we had a game day oj the houston sports uh, uh reporter from houston mm-hmm. uh it was tuesday she is very easy on the eyes although i Just, like uh, that i i've got old eyes I go back and uh very uh easy to look at uh, very beautiful girl uh and uh we had uh chris thurston on he's uh Baylor alum. We were talking about the Baylor Bears game last night against the Longhorns. Mm-hmm. We gave away a free play. Baylor uh, minus one in that game. They they won out. They won. Uh, covered the spread. That was a good free pick. Uh, gave out. Chris gave out uh, Kansas State plus the points last night against Texas Tech. That was another winner. Um, so you know it's uh it's fun doing the uh, the wagering show and. Uh, send out free plays every day i got a lot of fun interaction you know after after a play wins you know they're always like thank you so much you know i needed a win you know yeah. so it's that's very, a great feeling isn't it rewarding yeah definitely for yeah you when know. you put money in somebody's pocket yeah uh that's yep. that great great job and tonight, tonight right. aldo my ten dollar bet i just do these ones for fun mm-hmm. you know like uh i think it was like 12 leg parlay 
on DraftKings. Ten bucks. I won four hundred and ninety-five tonight. Whoa, baby! Drink time to two. Occasionally, those lottery tickets will hit. You know, like uh, Anthony and I, uh, we, we we were giving away these lottery ticket parlays on Saturdays. My partner on Maxim Edge. Uh, so uh, uh, Saturday mornings would give away a, 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 a like a you know big parlay like five bucks you could win five hundred. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll give that away on our show on Saturday mornings, and uh, uh, you know watching. Uh, I, I got back into Euphoria because Dan was like ch- he, Dan chided me by text. Yeah, he's been chiding me too. Why are you watching Euphoria season two, Tooch? (laughs) He told me, I want to talk about the ending. I go, Well, why are you going to give away the ending? I'm fine with it. And he goes, It'll it'll force you to watch it. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm really getting into these storylines and stuff, man. It's uh, it's high drama, you know. It's it's uh, you have to suspend uh, belief. Thinking that these kids are in high school still because mm-hmm. they're all like in their twenties. Yeah, but right. uh, yeah, some of the characters, the backstories, the backstories are so well fleshed out, man. You get Cal's backstory, you get uh, Fez, Fezco and Ashtray's backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just great. I, you know, those are like the first few episodes. You know, you got the couple great backstories. You know, yeah. uh, Cal, Cal's backstory was great, man. What's, you know, the that's, of, uh, what's the name of the lead actress? She's become uh, Zendaya. Yeah, Zendaya. She's become famous. Yeah, she is very pretty. She gets she's getting better looking as the older she gets. You know, mm-hmm. she's dating uh, but, Tom Holland, the uh, super. Okay, right. Oh, okay. Uh, Tom Holland, uh, oh, yeah. Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, Cal Cal's Nate's dad. You know, the perverted uh, uh, building uh, contracting owner company. You know, the Bill. Uh, home building uh, company owner you know the mm-hmm. but you get his backstory man it's great his backstory was like you know find out why he's kind of uh, uh got the uh issues he has mm-hmm. you know and uh I'm, I'm like four episodes in i wish i had, had gotten to the point so i could have discussed the ending with dan but uh, uh there's lots of foreshadowing of fezco and ash in this whole episode man i mean it's like there's some scenes where you're just like, these guys are going to get caps mm-hmm. because, you know, they're just not, you know, they're just playing with the wrong people and, you know, the whole time. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah. PJ says they're co-stars in Spider-Man. Yeah. Are they, are they dating? They're dating in real life though, right? Mm-hmm. They are dating in real life. And yes, uh, PJ is absolutely right. They did co-star in, in Spider-Man. I, I, I read somewhere that her role in Spider-Man was like really minuscule. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they established a, 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 a really intense relationship. And they are often photographed together uh, mm-hmm. with public displays of, of emotion. One thing uh, that's great about Euphoria is the soundtrack, man. I don't know how many times. I, I'm sh- I got Shazam open the whole time I'm watching Euphoria. I'm like, man. Uh, pick out some great songs from that show. They really do a great job with the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, all sorts of artists from Lana Del Rey to Jerry Rafferty to Oliver Peck. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just some some obscure artists. You know, and you're you're like, wow, that's a really great song. You know, and a lot mm-hmm. of these songs fit fit great contextually within the uh, the storyline. You know, so yeah, yeah it's a I love really it. great. Yeah. And uh, Factor, I promise you, I'm going to watch Making a Murderer on Netflix. Uh, my wife saw it. She goes, yeah. So did my wife. I'm, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Our, Aldo and I, our wives have seen it, Factor. <laughs> yeah. so, 
Does that I, give my wife, I give my wife a hard time sometimes because she'll start watching stuff without me. I'm like, yeah, mine too. You start watching this without me. Yeah. Goes, you know how much I love murder shows? And I go, yeah, yeah. okay, I'm not going to bother you. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. That's what she likes too. I hope our wives aren't plotting anything. Although. I'm telling We're you, back, man. So just... <laughs> if I wake up with a. If I wake up with a knife in the head, we won't be waking up. Yeah, that's right. If I'm found murdered somewhere, uh, the main suspect is my beautiful wife or mine. Uh, good stuff, my friend. Uh, that is it for our show tonight. Make sure you follow uh, John Santucci on the Twitter machine. It is at John Santucci VIP. And yeah, yeah. if you're watching the show on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. That way you get a text message informing you of whenever we are live. And if you like listening to stuff on audio podcasts, just search for Barroom Network. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, all of the major podcast delivery stations. We've got lots of cool stuff planned for this month with the NFL free agency leading all the way up to the draft. We are going to be covering the draft left and right in that week of the draft. Oh my goodness, we're going to have tons of stuff. Tooch will be a part of it and lots of other people will be a part of it too. So it's going to be a blast. And we've got a couple of new things uh, uh, that we're trying to work out here, trying to come to agreement with some people. So if that happens, you people here will be the second to know. I got to let the staff know first. <laughs> uh, but uh, so everything's looking good, and it's only looking good because all of you people join us and make this a lot of fun and worth all of the effort that we put into it. So for Johnny Santucci, Dan Aguirre, I am Aldo Gandia. Good night, everybody.